Acts chapter 22, and let us read together the text as we find it in verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The title I want to give to our meditation this morning is Bringing Up Children. Bringing Up Children. I don't really need to highlight to you that it is clear that the devil is active in our society to ultimately undermine and destroy the family. That is crystal clear to anyone who is thinking and who looks upon what is happening in our society and what respective governments have legislated in recent days, months, and years. Here we are, friends, within God's house, and we would remind ourselves that the family is God's brainchild. And when you have strong families, you have strong communities, and you have a strong nation. And this is God's plan, and this is God's purpose for the whole of mankind. And he is one who has instigated the family unit, and he delights in it. But it is under attack, particularly in our society today. Successive governments have legislated against the biblical family. They have used even the tax system so that families are not supported as indeed they should be. They do not support stay-at-home mums who choose to look after their children rather than to go into the workplace and to earn money and to make a living. We have no fault, easy divorce. Again, another thing that seeks to undermine marriage and the family. We have a, a, smoking, a smacking ban, which takes away the, the right of the parents to appropriately discipline their children when that is necessary. They have introduced civil partnerships and now same-sex marriage, again seeking to undermine the nuclear family. And they promote cohabitation. They provide also free nursery provision and, of course, along with the horrendous crime of abortion. All of these things, and there are other things. It's not an extensive list, but they set a flavor. They tell us what is happening in our society. And as the people of God, as we gather here, we live in this society, and we have to work out our Christian life and our experience in this corrupt and degenerate society that we find ourselves in. 
And here, friends, what do we have in our text? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Here we have, I want to highlight two things with you, two headings. We have here a commandment, and we have here a promise. And this is God's answer to the family. It's not his complete answer to the family, but it is an exhortation. It is a commandment given to the family. And God has graciously given a promise to that people who undertake this commandment. Well, first of all then, let us then look at this commandment. Train up a child. What does this immediately tell us, friends? It immediately tells us and informs us that there is work to be done. Any parent who has looked upon a newborn child, they consider it a wonderful blessing. They delight when they look into the face of the of the newborn, and usually they can see some resemblance to themselves, or at least to someone in the family. And they recognize that this is a special, unique gift and blessing that God has chosen to give unto them. And here is God's commandment to them, that they are to train up a child. Oh, friends, what a awesome responsibility has been placed upon parents. Because what do we have when we have a child? When the child is conceived in the womb and is brought forth out of the womb and into this world, what do we have? We have before us someone who will live forever someone who will live forever. It needs to be repeated. We must be reminded of this. Here we have someone who has been brought into this world, and there is no power of earth, and there is no power in hell that can destroy that life. That life, that life will go forward into eternity and it will either live in bliss in heaven, or it will live in woe in hell. Now, these are solemn matters, but that's the reality of it, friends. Here we are. We're looking at this text here. Train up a child. Does this not remind us, and does it not bring to our attention what we sought to highlight at our prayer meeting last week? Did we not, or were we not confronted with the, the biblical doctrine of total depravity? And what does that doctrine teach us? That doctrine teaches us that every one of us, by nature, are brought into this world dead in trespasses and sins. What does that mean? What does it mean? It simply means that the life of God is not in us. We have no spiritual life. We might have first-class physical life, but we don't have spiritual life by nature. And that's the way we come into this world. And 
It would not be wrong to say, friends, that when a child comes into this world, it is by default on that broad road that leads to destruction. We delight in our children. We delight in the newborn. Or we say, is he not wonderful? Or is she not wonderful? Do we not love them? And do we not say things, oh, he's wonderful, he's great. Oh, he's so happy, he's so nice to have around. It brightens up the house. It changes the life of, of the home and the family when new life comes in. But friends, what we have before us according to the word of God is we have a potential devil among us. That's what it is. And that's why there's a tremendous responsibility has been placed upon the parents. They are to understand this. What does he say? He says, train them. Train them. Why? Because they will not suddenly march into heaven. They will not do it by default. If they're left to their own way, they will never go to heaven ordinarily. We cannot and we will not deny the sovereignty of God. But this is God's way of working. This is what God has said to us. Train up a child. The child needs to be trained. The child needs to be taught. The child needs to be directed. The child will skew off in a way that's not according to the word of God. He will do that by nature. You don't have to train him to do that. And anyone who has been a parent will be able to testify. Oh, you might think I am somewhat extreme, but I don't think that's the case. And if you're a parent, you will know, well, I can testify to this. I didn't teach my son to speak like that. I didn't teach my daughter to be disobedient. I didn't teach my children to be rebellious. I didn't teach them to be selfish. Who then did teach them? It's in their nature. They're only acting according to their nature. And that's why you have to train them up. You have to see that their way by nature is not what it should be. It's a tremendous responsibility. There are two ways before the child. And let's just open it up, friends. Let's apply this to ourselves here today. Most of us are not children, but we all were one day. And there's two ways before you today. There's a way of peace and happiness and felicity. There's the narrow way that leads to life. That way is before you in the gospel. Or there is the broad road that leads to destruction. And if our sins are not forgiven, and if we don't know the new birth, if we haven't been converted, then friend, whatever road you're on, you're on the broad road that leads to destruction. It doesn't matter how big your house is. doesn't matter how much money you've got. doesn't matter your, your education. It doesn't matter about your moral standing in the community. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're perishing two ways, two ends, two destinations, heaven or hell, that's what it is. 
And maybe we need to train ourselves then. We're past the age of being trained by our parents. It's high time you took a look at yourself. It's a high time you examined your life. It's a high time that you looked and you see your life is passing by. And what is it? You haven't closed in with Christ. You have been baptized. You have been dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's impressed upon you that you are to make good the vows that your parents took. It's high time you closed him with Christ and you began to seek him while he may be found. Because if you don't, you're on that broad road that leads to destruction. Well, training is required. No child will naturally stroll into heaven. And we could take a leaf out of Hannah's experience. You remember Hannah in 1 Samuel? You remember her? She, she was barren. She prayed, she prayed, she prayed, and God answered her prayer, and God gave her a son. What did, he, what did you do? She weaned him, and then after he was weaned, she took him up to Shiloh, to where God's presence was at that time. And what happened? She dedicated him to the Lord. It wasn't a dedication ceremony. We don't say that for one moment. But she dedicated the gift that God had given to her. And she gave it back to the Lord. That's what she did. And this is what we must do as parents. We must see that our children are wonderful gifts. Wonderful gifts that God has given to us. One of the psalms we're going to sing later on says this in the prose version. Talking about children, he describes them like this, as arrows are, as arrows are. In the hand of a mighty man. That's how the psalmist looks upon children as gifts that God has given to parents. They are like arrows. Friends, arrows, what happens? Well, they go and they fire and they go further than the archer. And this is often the way with our, our children. Our children will go further away. They will do far greater exploits than we can do as parents. But they can be a source of good and they can be a source of evil. And surely the psalmist is telling us that our children are to go beyond us. Are we Christians? Are we Christian parents? We should be aiming for our children to go further on in the faith than we ourselves are. Because they are arrows, are in the hand of a mighty man. And this was surely the mentality of Hannah. She prayed for this child, she got him, and then she dedicated him to the Lord. And what a blessing he was to Israel. Train up a child, therefore. Be like Hannah, right at the beginning. Train him up as, <coughs> as God's child. As a child that God has in some sense, lent to you. God has given immense responsibilities to parents. Here's my child, bring it up for me. Does it not remind you of what happened when Moses was rescued from the river? 
how Pharaoh's daughter took the child and then handed it back to the mother of Moses, bring up this child and I'll give you wages. She was delighted to do it because it was her child. Well, God has given you children that are to be regarded as his children and you are to look after them and you are to train them and to bring them up in the things of the Lord. And this will be difficult. This will, this will perplex parents. This will cause them anxiety. It will cause them sleepless nights if they're going to do this. What must you do? Well, you must inquire of the Lord. You must inquire of him. What about Samson, the great judge that came upon uh, to deliver Israel? What about him? What about his parents? What did they say? We are told Manoah, his father, said, Now let thy words come to pass, as, he, as the angel of the Lord spoke to him. And Manoah asked, How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? They admitted they didn't know this was a new experience for them. They asked of the Lord. And parents will ask of the Lord. Because sometimes when they're bringing up children, they'll be at the end of their terror. What do we do? Let's call upon the name of the Lord. The Lord has given us this child Let's ask for advice. Let the Lord intervene. The parent maybe cannot change the child. The child is rebellious. The Lord is able to change. He's able to break open the hardest of hearts. Train him up as a baptized child. Parents will take baptismal vows for their children. The parents undertake to do certain things, but in the hope and in the realization that when the child comes to the age of discretion that they will make good the vows that their parents took in their place. And therefore, those who have been baptized are to be impressed that they themselves are to close in with the Lord Jesus Christ. As part of the training, the parents are to pray for their children. Pray for them, earnestly pray for them. When you gather around for family worship, remember your children, name them before Almighty God, that the children hear, my mom, my dad prays for me. He calls upon the great God of heaven, the, the God who made all things. He prays for me. That is a tremendous effect upon a child to hear the parent pour out his cares and concerns for his child. Therefore, part of that training, they are to pray for him. But also, they are to teach the child to pray. It's never too early. We might look at our own experience and we might lament the fact that we didn't do these things that we should have done or we didn't do them with such zeal 
as we should have done. Well, friends, whatever position we find ourselves in, it is never, never too late to start. And it is never too early to begin. Because what happens? The child learns from a very early age. And people might say, well, he, he hasn't got a mind. He hasn't got reason. He cannot think. Oh, but the day will come when he will think. And if his mind is full of the things of God, what will happen? God will use that education that his mind might be filled with the things of God. And he'll begin to see the plan and the purpose in the scriptures. Do we not live in a day and generation when many people don't think at all? Is that not the way we find ourselves? Many people simply switch on the, the radio or the television or whatever, and they hear the news, and they assimilate all that is brought before them, and they never discern anything. You know, friends, something that biblical Christianity does, it, it causes us to think. It causes us to think. It gives us answers to, to the questions that we find in life. Where did this world come from? Where are we going? What's life all about? What happens after death? These are the vital questions that we will ask ourselves, and you won't find the answers in the media. You'll find them in the Word of God. Someone said, and it's how true it is, we read our newspapers or we, we look at the media and we see what's happening in the world and we go to the Bible and we find out why it's happening. Why? Why is there so much evil? Why is there so much crime? Why is there so much problems in the world today? Why? The world cannot give the answer, but God in his word does give the answer. And the answer is sin. Sin. And that's why part of the training, as we read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, is to train the child up in the scriptures. Fill the child's mind with the word of God. Is that not what we read? Talking when Paul was speaking to Timothy. Paul was reminding Timothy that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Education is not everything, friends. Education is not grace. We're not saying that for one moment, but that is usually the way that God works. The person or the child is filled with the, the knowledge of the, of the Scriptures, and then God uses that to enlighten them and to bring them to a saving knowledge of the Savior. And we are to train our children up in the Scriptures, read it to them, and hopefully they will read it for themselves. But, oh, here's a very important but. It's not just all theory. It's not just all education. There is a practical element in the training up of a child. And what is it? 
Well, they are to see a living and a lively Christian experience worked out in their parents. What do I mean by that? Well, if their parents are professing Christians, they are to live like professing Christians. The child will learn more by his eye than by his ear. Would you take fine food from a hand that's full of leprosy? Would you listen to someone who's living an unrighteous life telling you about the things of God? when they themselves are not subject to the things of God? This will speak volumes to any child. It's not just what we say, but it's how we live. And of course, this is relevant to us all. This is relevant to every single one of us. We can rant and rave about our Christianity, but if we don't live according to the, the way of the Bible, then all our speaking is but vain words. There's no power in them whatsoever. There's nothing to beat a godly life. There's nothing to touch someone who's walking close with the Lord Jesus Christ himself to commend and to recommend the Savior when that person is in love with the Savior themselves. This is a wonderful thing, friends. This indeed opens the heart of those who are dead in trespasses and sins when they see someone walking with the Lord Jesus, when they see their life has been transformed by knowing the Lord Jesus. Part of that training is that they will need to discipline them. Look at verse 15, for instance, of chapter 22. The Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Oh, we see the world today shaking their fist at this, up in arms about this. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from them. This is totally countercultural. Now, this is no uh, excuse for extreme punishment or nothing like that. Of course, it's not. But there's no parent like our Heavenly Father. We cannot teach our Heavenly Father what it is to be a parent. He is the perfect parent, and he will chastise his people, and he will do whatever is necessary to restore them. And he does it always in love. And that's to be the pattern for the human parent. And when the time for discipline will come, if it comes, then that discipline is to be loving, and it is to be appropriate. And it's not to be shrinked. Why? Because foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. That's why. 
Ephesians tells us, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Taught by example. And this teaching, preaching by example, is to be the pattern for all of us. This principle is to, applies to every Christian. Peter speaks specifically of wives, wives who are unequally yoked. That is, wives who are Christians, but their spouses are not. What does he say to them? Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation, that is the lifestyle of the wife. It's a principle that runs through all the Bible for every believer. When people won't listen to our words, they will very often take note of our behavior. And our behavior is to be consistent with the Word of God. Well, firstly then, the commandment. Secondly, briefly, we have the glorious promise. When he is old, he will not depart from it. There's encouragement. God recognizes that the responsibilities are great upon the parents. And it's not going to be easy. It's an ongoing struggle day after day. And they'll have many difficulties and problems to overcome, some more than others. And God recognizes this is a difficult work because it is a work that involves a sinful and rebellious individual by nature. But the Lord gives a promise. The Lord gives encouragement to parents that he has made a promise. He's involved in this. You do your bit and God will fulfill his promise. That's what he says. We read it in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. To be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. It's appropriate to quote a text from Ecclesiastes here. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. What does it say? Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And surely what that is teaching us is, for parents and for preachers and for others who are seeking to advance the cause and kingdom of the Lord Jesus, cast thy bread, cast thy word, cast thy work upon the waters. Let it go. Don't be afraid. Undertake what lies at your hand. You don't know what's going to be successful. It might not be successful today or tomorrow, but one day it will. That's what he's saying. One day it will. That's the promise. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. How many parents can testify that they've sought to bring their children up in the fear and nurture of the Lord, but, but what's happened? They've gone wayward, and maybe the parent has gone into glory, 
maybe the parents rotting in a grave, but the child has been brought to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. And this promise here, friends, is telling us not to trust in what we can see, but upon the God that gives the promise. When he is old, maybe the child will be old before he will make good his baptismal vows. Maybe he will be old. Maybe he'll be a parent himself and he sees something of what it's like to be a parent. And then he will realize what a wonderful blessing it was to have a father and mother who prayed for him and brought him up in the ways of the Lord. Because, friends, what's instilled upon a child at a young age cannot easily be revoked. It cannot easily be erased. It's there, and God, by his Spirit, is able to bring the Word of God to them. Is that not what happened to Peter in some sense? He remembered the Word of the Lord. He remembered what the Lord Jesus Christ had said to him. He would like to put it to the back of his mind. But what? God brought the Word of God to his memory, brought it to his mind again, and he repented. He went out with tears. His heart was broken. God is able to do that. He's able to use the Word. He's able to use experiences and cause the, the child to be brought to a saving knowledge. This is the promise. It may not be fulfilled when we would like it, but ordinarily, ordinarily, it'll be fulfilled in God's time. And that's what we rest upon. Peter says this also. I'm just going to quote a part of the verse, but he's talking to believers, and they're under persecution, they're under difficulties. It's not easy for them. And what does he say to encourage them? That your faith and hope might be in God. And that's the great hope of the godly parent. It's not in all his instruction. It's not in his obedience, although he may have been obedient. He doesn't rest upon his obedience. He rests upon the promise that God has given. Our faith, our hope is in God. And God will be, a, will be a God to us and to our seed afterwards. That's what enables us. That's what enables us to carry on. That your faith and hope might be in God. That's the promise. And that's what we want to leave with us all today, friends. That's our hope. We do what we can. We obey this commandment, this exhortation as best as we can. And then with confidence, we can plead with God that he would save our children. Bringing up children well, this is not an extensive study in bringing up children, but 
it certainly brings to our attention the necessity of training the child and of depending upon the promise of God. Amen.